0: The Ask N.T. Write Anything podcast.
1: Welcome to Ask N.T. Write Anything. I'm Peter Byram, standing in for Ruth Jackson while she's away on holiday. Today, we go back to May 2020, where Tom answered questions from listeners on whether the world is getting better or worse, on poverty and economic justice, and what climate change activism means for the theology of new creation. Well, welcome back to the program. Got a really interesting one today, looking at questions around global justice and the climate Mm -hmm. crisis. Uh, Tom joins me as usual here on the program. And you've invested a lot of your life in helping Christians in today's world understand Mm -hmm. that world of the first century. But only because you want it to impact (laughs) today's world. Um, what, What are some of the key areas where you think the church today, Christians today, need to understand the story afresh so that we can tell it to today's generation yes I I think
2: it's difficult for people to get their minds out of the way that we ask key questions and into the way that the key questions were framed in the first century but unless we make that effort the whole time then we are going to be committing what we call anachronisms that is I'm just just transposing things back almost as stupidly as if we imagined that they had mobile phones in the first century and that mm. sort of thing um particularly people sometimes say to me oh tom you you want us to um imagine this great narrative that that uh, you you say they were all believing but that's very difficult and i say well actually if you don't do that you will assume that they have the western christian narrative which is how do i go to heaven mm. and you will assume that that's what um jesus and his friends were talking about and it really really wasn't and If you read the Jewish documents from the first century, whether it's the Dead Sea Scrolls or whether it's Josephus or other books like what we call 4th Ezra, which is written shortly after the time of Jesus, they're not talking about how we go to heaven. They're talking about how the God of creation is going to put everything right on this world and what we could and should be doing right now, Mm -hmm. either to anticipate that or in some sense to implement that. It's about the revelation of God's saving faithfulness to his creation and his covenant. And that's a very different set of questions from what most people think religion Mm. ought to be about. Part of the problem, of course, is that the modern Western idea of religion is itself very much a modern construct. And so trying to get people to unthink what they just assume is really very difficult. And it's only mm. when you start to deconstruct things, oh, I see, so you mean da, 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 da. And, and at the heart of it is something I've said before on this show, that we assume that the whole point of religion, if you believe in it, is to go to heaven eventually and mm. be with God if there is a God. But actually in the New Testament as with the Jewish world in general. It's about God wanting to bring heaven and earth together and God wanting graciously to come and live with his human creatures and Mm. to be at home with them. That's Mm. what Genesis 1 and 2 is all about, and that's what it's supposed to be all about. The end of the book of Revelation says the dwelling of God is with humans, not the dwelling of humans is with God, the other Mm. way around. And once you start to put everything that way up, Then all sorts
1: of other things, go click, click, click into place in a way which they don't Mm. do otherwise. I I often find when people have read your book, um, when when they understand more of the context and what this kingdom was about, that, that it gives them the confidence, actually, to go and talk with their friends and skeptical colleagues because it no longer seems like some bolt-on you know that you you ought to get this life insurance and carry on with your life as as it is but actually it says we're part of a much bigger story and I want to invite you into that story
2: exactly I was preaching at a confirmation the other night which was very exciting with with four very bright young people in Oxford College being confirmed and and, um, the readings that were chosen set me up to say that God in Jesus and through the gospel is already doing new creation all around us if we have eyes to see. And you are now invited to become part of that project. Mm. And in Leslie Newbegin's phrase about the gospel being public truth, I said to these four, I'm not sure how they took it, <laughs> that you are now part of the public face of this public truth. Mm. And actually to think of the Christian vocation like that,
1: I find very exciting and dramatic absolutely challenging well let's get into today's discussion Mm. tom um the climate crisis and global justice is my Mm catch-all phrase mm -hmm. for this um lots of questions that have come in over the last few months about the climate Um, obviously we're seeing all kinds of movements going on around the world Mm -hmm. the extinction Mm -hmm. rebellion movement Mm -hmm. this young lady greta thunberg who's caught the imagination Mm -hmm. of so Mm -hmm. many people and so on um so lots of questions here and and we'll just see where we can get to um, and then move on to some other issues Mm -hmm. um jonathan in phoenix arizona says I want to know generally what Tom thinks about where we are in human history and where we're going, considering the advent of artificial intelligence, global warming, the continuing rise in population, and the unprecedented polluting of the environment. What does Tom make of it all? <laughs> so I suppose, and, and we'll, we'll tease that out in various sure, other sure. ways as these questions come in.
2: I, I mean, I think the first thing to say is that because of what I believe about Jesus, I believe that God the creator is sovereign Over the present and the future As he has been over the past And that there have been many, many times in human history I think of the Black Death and things like that When people really did think That all humans were going Mm. to be wiped out Mm. And and that the whole world was shuddering To a horrible uh, halt And, of course, when I was young, um, there were great marches and great anxieties and and, and all sorts of things about about nuclear weapons weapons, um, weapons, um, that we were going to blow the world up. Mm. And I want to say that was a real problem because we did and we still do have the capacity to do that. And if we've forgotten that that's a problem, Mm. then we forget at our peril. But it's almost as though in every generation people uh trundle along thinking the world is is going okay and then they suddenly think oh my goodness there's this problem there's that Mm -hmm. problem Mm -hmm. and it's as though and I think this is a to do with western mindset in the 17th and 18th and 19th centuries and we lurch from an over-optimism oh we're just getting Mm -hmm. on fine we're Mm -hmm. having peace Mm -hmm. and prosperity Mm -hmm. etc to an over-pessimism oh my goodness it's Mm -hmm. suddenly all going horribly wrong At the same time, there are real challenges and we really have to rise to the occasion. And one of the things I pray about regularly is for today's generation of younger scientists coming through schools and universities to to discern and discover fresh ways of, say, dealing with that horrible great island of waste plastic in the middle of the Pacific or dealing with all the things that we're currently doing which are making the planet warmer. I mean... Some years ago, people worried terribly about the Gulf Stream being switched off, um, which would mean that um, here, where we're sitting yeah. in London, but never mind further north, yeah. we would have a new mm-hmm. ice age mm-hmm. because it's only the Gulf Stream that stops us mm-hmm. from being like northern Newfoundland, mm-hmm. which is where mm-hmm. we are in terms of latitude. Yes, yes. Um, now, you know, funny things have happened before, and mm-hmm. maybe that would happen mm-hmm. again, but that would precipitate enormous crises on all mm-hmm. sorts of fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to say we need to be doing the research because part of the Christian belief in human responsibility is that God wants us to take care of our world. But it's, the danger with some of what I hear at the moment is that it's panicky. Uh, it's, it's just, oh, oh dear, we, we've yep. got to stop everything yep. now. Yep. And I want to say no. Um, we should say our prayers, we should do the science, we should study it very carefully. Um, And yes, there are some nettles that have to be grasped and maybe Greta Thunberg has put her finger on Mm. some of them. Um, If that's what you do with nettles, (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, But there is is a danger that that then gets bundled up with a general kind of, again, the establishment package. Mm. And suddenly it becomes part of a whole raft of causes and you're either all on that side or you're all mm. on that side and i think in america particularly that's a problem at the moment right. um where the question of do you, do you even believe in climate yes, change yeah, sure, um sure.
1: is part of a right and left package which really doesn't help and and, and in the a way ha- has been set up in that way by the, the president you know, the incumbent currently mm-hmm. as president and and Prescott, Sort of has a question on that. Um, Uh Prescott's in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, and um, says, I'm sure you've heard of the recent news in the US with President Donald Trump and his Twitter beef, uh, Twitter (laughs) (laughs) spat with 16 year old Greta Thunberg. And then also Pastor Robert Jeffress going on air saying that she only needs to read Genesis 9 and look at a rainbow to feel better about her future and that climate change is an imaginary problem. It's not hard to see that this is bad theology, but it's not quite clear to me what exactly would be good theology. It seems pretty undeniable that there are significant changes happening and that the world could look drastically different in the next few decades if we don't take new measures to better care for God's creation. But I'm not sure how God's sovereignty over creation fits in here. Would God actually let it get to the point where humans are no longer physically able to inhabit the earth, for instance? And how does this all fit into the context of God renewing creation? So... Big questions there. Um, And I have uh, often also seen that sort of theology which basically says we don't need to worry because God's going to you know it'll all burn and well uh, it it, uh, either you don't need to worry
2: because it'll all burn or you don't need to worry because god would never let it get that bad anyway and and those two are incompatible with one another but people seem to embrace the one or the other quite happily i first ran into this i may have said this to you before many years ago when i was doing some lectures on jesus in thunder bay ontario uh, the, (laughs) the northwestern end of the great lakes and uh, the church where I was lecturing, they'd asked me to speak about Jesus. But actually what they were really worried about was people from America who were telling them that they shouldn't worry about pollution, about um, acid rain particularly, mm. because the whole world was going to be um, blown up by yeah. an Armageddon fairly mm. soon. And that if you were worried about that, it showed you were being worldly instead of And you should be minded. concentrating on saving souls uh, rather than exactly, caring for exactly. the environment. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was, I'd, I'd not met that. This was in mm. the early 1980s. And right. this is quite new okay. to me, that mm. attitude. Um, But two things I want to say. One is, yes, we are called to care for the world. That's quite clear in Genesis. And if you're going to quote Genesis 9 about rainbows, there's a lot of other bits of Genesis as well, particularly 1 and 2, where humans are to be looking after God's garden. And that is reaffirmed in Psalm 8, where God has made humans to be under him sovereign over the world and to take Mm -hmm. responsibility and that that is reaffirmed in romans 8 but in romans 8 you get the Mm -hmm. other half of that which is that the creation will be set free from its slavery to decay to share the liberty of the glory of the children of god or rather to uh, inherit the freedom which comes when Mm -hmm. god's children are glorified now part of the point of that is that god is going to do for the whole of creation at the last what he did for jesus at easter in other words give him he gave jesus the 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 new body a new immortal Mm -hmm. physical body god will renew the whole creation so that the earth will be full of the knowledge of the glory of the lord as the waters cover the sea what sort of a process of dying and rising again has to be gone through for that to take place. We are not told. Um, I've often said all our language about the future is a set of signposts pointing into a fog. You mm-hmm. know, They may be true signposts, but they don't tell you it's not a photographic sure. description of what it'll be like as we get there. Um, so somehow we have to hold those two in, in mm, sort of tension. And the second one gives us this secure faith that the God who raised Jesus is going to make all things well at the end. And that's not whistling in the dark. That's rooted in what we believe about Jesus. But second, in the meantime, we are to be people of new creation who are not just beneficiaries, but also Mm. agents of new creation. That is, we are to take responsibility for our world. So we're not just to sit back and say, oh, well, you know, if if the planet warms up and we can't live in it anymore, too bad. And that's why I say we should be praying for and seeking to foster um, brilliant young scientists from whatever context, who are able to analyze in new ways where the problems really are, Mm. to see what we've been doing wrong, particularly since the Industrial Revolution. It's very interesting because this is all part of post-modernity, mm, that mm. the Industrial Revolution said we can now make anything, drive anything, do anything, and we can take over the world, and Western Europe and America has basically done that. Mm. And just as ideologically there's a big cost so uh, um, in terms of ecologically there's a, there's a big cost and I fear that you know the the, the thing about Trump and Thunberg um, is, um, is simply one more manifestation of a political standoff of people in America and elsewhere saying don't talk to us about this because it's going to get in the way of our nice industrial plans etc yeah, and the answer yeah. is hmm, hang on just as you were wrong about the black white issues in the 50s and early 60s in america maybe you're wrong about this too um you know that th- there are there are big issues mm. here about how we do um our, our total projects and so those need to be addressed and not swept under the carpet within a framework of saying god is sovereign and the
1: god who raised jesus yes. will will heal his world i, I think some people sort of a uh, because the 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 language around this has got quite apocalyptic almost in, mm. in itself mm-hmm. um, that's where some of these questions are coming from Tim sure. Tim has a, in Nottingham has a similar question saying yep. you know, some scientists are even speculating that yep. human civilization yep. Yep. might collapse in the coming decades, yep. uh, go extinct yep. How, how, yep. and is asking well if that is a possibility how does that fit with the idea of God's coming kingdom and new creation and so on, will God intervene is that sort of something God would never allow to yes. happen? Well intervene? quite
2: and, and I mean just as this is like the macro version of what happens when somebody is facing the the uh, sickness and possible death of somebody they love. I mean, how could God let this beautiful person die so young? whatever it is and the answer is you you say your prayers, you call in the doctors, but sometimes the people you love do die uh, and it, it seems to be ridiculous that they should and so i don't want to say God could and would never let that happen, but I do believe that if that was the way that we had to go through in order to get to the new creation I, I, I find that deeply counterintuitive actually mm. because it seems to me Paul in first Corinthians is talking about being transformed mm. um, rather than there being a moment when the whole creation um, collapses into into right. chaos again uh, at the same time we are given responsibility we are given mm. a vocation to look after creation and it's something that as Christians we should be in the forefront of doing not in a panicky way I sometimes have mm. met Christians who get highly moralistic about, have you changed your light bulbs yeah, yet yeah. And I would say well you know we're doing all that mm. stuff mm. but let's do it within a celebration of God's goodness and and the I,
1: arrival of new creation I, in I mean uh, interestingly Natalie in Australia picks up on that sense she labels yep. it what yep. do you make of quote-unquote climate anxiety um, saying there's no doubt we've polluted the earth, but how radical should our response be? And and as you say, there is a certain feeling of of almost panic in some quarters. Should Christians... Step back a bit from that. In your view, is is it uh, without uh, without sort of uh, skirting over the fact that, yeah,
0: yeah. that
2: there are obviously serious issues at yes. stake? Here. I mean, there's that old line in Isaiah w- w- which says, you know, the, the one who believes will not make haste um, uh, or not panic. Um, and there is a sense of calm, faith, and confidence, even when. And again, the Old Testament is full mm. of this. Even then, there are no signs of hope at the moment, right. but we hope in the god who we know who has done x y and z in the past and who will uh, be trusted is trustworthy to be faithful Mm -hmm. in the future um at the same time if i was in australia um with the huge fires that there have been recently now I do not know the cause of those fires. Some people say that there were some arsonists who were at work. Mm -hmm. Why? I mean, Mm -hmm. goodness, that's just unbelievable. But I think in Southern California as well. At the same time, there do seem to be some features of what's going on, which really are extremely concerning. Mm. Um, And certainly the storms we've seen in the UK recently, which have increased far beyond what I remember when I was Mm -hmm. a kid. And of course, the melting of the ice caps on both ends of the planet and the the melting of some of the great glaciers in the world. Mm. There are huge and undeniable signs of major change. How much these are simply part of a slow to and fro, ebb and flow. flow, I simply don't know. This is not my field, but it seems to me those are good questions to ask, not in a panicky way, but in a proper scientific way. Part of the problem here is that some people in some cultures in some parts of america not all are taught to distrust, distrust science in general mm. on the grounds that if you say science it means you're a darwinian and therefore you, you don't believe the bible or whatever and, and that, that's that's just silly right. you know and right. um, if 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 you are very sick or someone you love is very sick please go to the hospital and trust the best science there is to deal with your sickness um and don't say oh you must be a darwinian because you're going to hospital yeah. <laughs>
1: Today's show is brought to you in partnership with SBCK, the UK publisher of Tom's Material and two new books you may be interested in The New Testament in its World An Introduction to the History, Literature and Theology of the First Christians in which Enti Wright and Mike Byrd provide a thorough overview of the New Testament for students, church leaders and indeed everyday Christians and another brand new book from Tom History and Eschatology Jesus and the Promise of Natural Theology it's the book version of Tom's Gifford Lectures of which Miroslav Volf said a creative and arresting contribution to natural theology this book argues for the plausible of the Christian vision and the relation between God and the world by taking seriously the history of Jesus Christ. Both books available at sbckpublishing.co.uk. Just search for N.T. Wright.
0: Before we rejoin the rest of today's podcast, I have a very special offer for you to help you have an even more meaningful spiritual experience this Easter. As you know, N.T. Wright is without doubt one of the greatest Christian thinkers and apologists of our time. And some of Tom Wright's answers to questions about Jesus' death, resurrection, and return are some of the most poignant and thought-provoking. That's why we've created a brand new, downloadable devotional resource that's perfect for the Easter season featuring these questions and Tom's answers. This five-day devotional journey titled Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return is only available to friends like you as our thanks for your gift today. And remember, your support is truly critical to help keep resources and podcasts like Ask N.T. Write Anything and Unbelievable going strong because this ministry is completely funded by friends like you. So please give the very best gift you can and make sure to download your copy of Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return devotional at premierinsight.org forward slash That's premierinsight.org forward slash Thank you.
1: In a related question, Donald in Somerset asks, um, your book, Simply Good News, was a dramatic revelation to me, but I'm worried that I've read too much into it. Can you be clearer about the social state of the world today? You seem ambiguous about the idea that the world is now a better place than it's ever been. I can't remember your (laughs) phrase as a friend has borrowed my copy. Um, But you quoted Steven Pinker and doubted if the world is better. This has left me doubtful about expressing myself. Yes, And um, goes on to say here, I never understood what the kingdom of God was all about (laughs) after listening to preachers for over 60 years. You have completely convinced me that when Jesus stood up in the temple and announced his mission statement... It is becoming literally true. I believe the world is a happier place than it's ever been because his death and resurrection changed people. Mm. But I'd be very grateful if you could help my nagging doubts. Yes. So, yes, where do you no, begin I mean, on that,
2: that one, That's then? absolutely fair enough. And, and the, the, the trouble is that, and this is what Stephen Pinker is picking up on, he's a Harvard um, professor who's written mm. two or three books recently about this. He says that the world is a better place because of all the things that we discovered in the Enlightenment and that we just need to get rid of all that religion nonsense and then peace and love and democracy and and his latest books
1: on that The Better Angel of Our Nature and Enlightenment Now both kind of are stacked with all these statistics about all kinds of measures in which he believes the world is a better place Mm. than ever has been that's right
2: Mm. and uh, I'm again it's not my field I'm not an expert Mm. in this but some of the reviews that I've read have pointed out some of the things that he ignores uh, and that there are major things going on and actually as one reviewer said if this was going to be true anywhere it should be true in the united states which is the enlightenment country par excellence but actually if you step away from harvard where he's teaching into places not too far from um boston massachusetts there is real poverty poverty there is real uh, racial tension there are real all sorts of things which are smoldering away and which this nice smooth oh we're getting it all right now aren't we isn't really adequate to and, cover, and,
1: and I'm aware as well. Just uh, on that, I, I had Stephen Pinker on this very, you know, in mm-hmm. this very mm-hmm. studio to debate these issues um, with uh, Nick Spencer a little while ago. Right, oh, right. But, right. but um, the thing that I felt was lacking in enlightenment now, uh, as much as there were all these measures, sort of hard statistics, mm-hmm. if you like, death rates and mortality and, and so on yep, that you can yep. look at, it doesn't necessarily tell you about the quality of the life. In in as much as yeah. we see today. In our incredibly materially rich world in the West, people, Mm. nevertheless, Mm. the incidence of depression, mental health issues, seems to be going up and up and up. up. And there's some some ways in which the more technology we have the less we seem to be able to yes, actually give yes. whole lives I'm, su- I'm sure that's true and and one one does see that in the
2: studies of, of young people who live on their screen yeah. and then can't relate to yeah. other people and that there's lots and lots written about that but i want to say so many of the things uh, and, and this is where tom holland's work comes in mm. and also rodney stark the rise of christianity that actually if you look at the ancient classical world into which christianity was born and if you look at the pagan world in general around the world and if you look at some of the great enlightenment moments like the french revolution and so on um they were they were not places out of which you would get the idea that we now embrace of human rights or of um widespread public education or publicly available medicine etc the christians were doing that stuff from the beginning um i, I remember somebody telling me it was time for the church to get out of the education business and let the state do it. And I said, actually, we've been in this education business for a long time, (laughs) much longer than any state has been doing Mm. it. We've got form on this. We know Mm. what we're talking about. And uh, so there are many, many ways in which... um, uh, though Christianity has often been part of the problem, not part of the solution, because we've got things horribly wrong as well, and we've distorted things. Nevertheless, the the great movements of, of civilization have often been traceable to deeply Christian roots, which themselves have deeply Jewish roots. Mm-hmm. And uh, just talking to, to friends the other day about this in relation to music, the way in which the flourishing of modern classical music, even though some of that has gone in very different directions, actually goes back to the western monastic tradition and then out of the plain song of of psalm chanting then polyphony emerging in the 15th and 16th centuries and giving people these possibilities which are like a new flowering of the gospel of Mm. the many voices Mm. that actually make harmony together and I'm fascinated by that uh, and by art as well and the way that's worked so um it isn't so much that you can then trace a steady crescendo Jesus and then things get better and better and better because often things do get horribly worse but Jesus and then there is hope and then there are new possibilities and new things happen and and you can't take it for granted and you can't settle down and say well that's all right then we're Mm. we're sailing smoothly to Mm. heaven or to Mm. a heaven and earth combination Mm. but nor can you say with Steven Pinker get rid of the religion and and, and the secular
1: world will triumph and and well chimes in nicely actually with a a comment really as much as a question from grant in san diego Uh um, who says do we christians undermine one of the greatest evidences for the truth of the whole gospel when we collude with the accusers to disparage western civilization Mm -hmm. yes it's flawed no it's not the city whose builder and maker is god yes its culture is sometimes a mix of christianity and other odd bits of greek and roman paganism but it's far more christian than not just look at the writings Mm. of historians Mm. you've just mentioned rodney stark and tom holland christianity transformed western civilization and even as much of modern europe declares Mm. itself Mm. post-christian it's still so deeply christian in its worldview, laws and values Mm. so by disparaging the west do we not in a sense also undermine the work of the gospel in the west and its example why are we so hard on the west holding it to standards that have never Mm. been met Mm. by any Mm. other civilization thanks for all you do, (laughs) Tom. Yes, I mean,
2: uh, I'm deeply ambivalent about this because all that I've said before I will stand by that that actually there are many, many things in Western civilization which are fruits of the gospel for which we should be deeply grateful. The problem has come that particularly since the 18th century there's been a deep ambiguity in the whole post-Enlightenment world because the Enlightenment has tried to get the fruits of that long, long civilization while cutting off the roots Mm. and saying saying we don't want the Jesus bit, we don't want the Jewish bit, we'll, we'll take on these projects ourselves. And actually the history of the 19th and 20th century is of that going horribly wrong, mm, mm. Um, whether it's in the trenches of the First World War or in Auschwitz or, or, or in 9-11 or whatever, that actually... I mean, somebody wrote a book twenty years ago: "Why the Rest Hates the West." Right. Um, That there is an arrogance about Western civilization, which is a classic Enlightenment. I mean, the the word Mm. "Enlightenment" says it all. Mm. We Mm. are the Enlightenment, enlightened enlightened ones. So that when you see on the news. Know, twenty people being killed in some suburb in Baghdad. Um, the, the the way that that's presented is well, there's twenty more people. That's the barbaric
1: thought, part it, of the it, world. It's that whatever. stuff over yeah.
2: there. Whereas yeah. if it was twenty people being killed on the yeah. streets of London, then yeah. oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is people like us. Mm. But actually, they're all people like yeah. us, <laughs> and, and and so. That Western arrogance has got to be named and shamed, not in order to say that the West, you know, let's avoid Mm, oversimplifications, mm, mm. is, is automatically bad. But we have to be able to discern, as we do with ourselves when we look in the mirror, when we go to a spiritual director, when we say our prayers, when we receive the Eucharist, you know, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner this doesn't mean that everything about my past life is as bad as it could possibly be mm. it just means yeah there's still stuff to sort out here
1: okay, absolutely maybe uh, the last one here from raheel in arizona Um, and this could be a brief response because Mm Rahil's really just looking for some resources and Mm -hmm. commentary Um, NT Wright has written in surprise by Hope as far as I can see the major task that faces us in our generation corresponding to the issue of slavery two centuries ago is that of the massive economic imbalance of the world whose major symptom is the ridiculous and unpayable third world debt and he mentioned in an interview with the National Catholic Reporter that to him the big moral issue would be the money sliding into the pockets of the western banking system at the cost of keeping most of the world in unpayable debt. I love this, want to learn more. Does Tom have any resources? (laughs) He would point us to read, listen, glean, learn, and be better informed in this area. Yes,
2: I've been hugely helped by working with the organisation called Christian Aid, which is Mm -hmm. a a Christian charity, obviously. And particularly when I was Bishop of Durham, I worked quite closely with them and spoke in the House of Lords about related issues and so on. And they would be my first port of call because they're working at the coalface around the world and they're in touch with all the other related movements. Mm. So I would simply... uh, go onto their websites and take it from there and for me one of the high points and this is 20 years ago now was the jubilee 2000 movement which did succeed in Mm. getting some of those huge unpayable debts remitted i do want to say because people have quizzed me about this am i therefore ranking these different problems (laughs) that global debt is the most important thing and that other moral issues are less important no um morality is indivisible um god's world is god's world human life is human life but part of the problem about unpayable third world debt is not only its injustice and the extraordinary abuse of the system by as i say bankers and systems that just lend money at high rates of interest mm. and insist on its being paid mm. even though the people they lent it to are long, long dead and yes. gone and then of course in 2008 when the bankers ran out yeah. of cash um, then the very rich did for the very rich what they'd refused to do for the very poor that's yes. the crucial thing yeah. but then in those countries where there is this unpayable debt education suffers medicine suffers um, children suffer particularly the elderly suffer um, because the country is having to try to pay compound interest Mm -hmm. debt Mm -hmm. in a way that is totally ridiculous it would never happen to you or me because Mm -hmm. we could go bankrupt and then you draw a line and start again Mm -hmm. countries can't go bankrupt and therefore If we're caring about the health and well-being of particularly the really vulnerable, Mm. um, then this issue actually touches
1: all of that, and it still does. And I would say also Christian Aid, um, who I'm a big fan of as well, um, have got some interesting resources as well on what they're calling climate poverty as well in in, in relation to what we've been speaking about, the way that climate change adversely affects most well, strongly
2: those. those uh, uh, precisely because in countries world. like Bangladesh or some of the um, some of the Pacific islands, which uh, uh, that their highest are only a few feet above sea mm-hmm, level. If sure. the
1: sea levels rise, yeah, there's a disaster, lot of people yeah. whose homes are simply going. Well, look, um, I hope that's given some some idea of how we approach these issues at a global level and how we can do so i suppose in in confidence as well as with concern for the world that we live in but um tom thank you very much for lending your wisdom again and uh thank you for all the questions that have come in and we'll see you again next time thank you very much well thank you very much for being with us on today's show next time we're talking about animals do they go to heaven tom is answering questions on the new creation and the animal kingdom. Uh, that's the next time we bring you the Ask and to Write Anything podcast, and we'll see you next time.